On this episode, we discuss Safe Haven. And before we start, come out to see the Flophouse on Saturday, June 8th at 92Y Tribeca, where we'll be doing a live screening of Jaws the Revenge, complete with commentary. It's our last show in the venue before it closes, so please come on out. Check 92Y.org slash Tribeca for more details. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Yeah, I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin, number three, with a bullet. So this is a little podcast where we watch a bad movie. <laughs> Let's not talk ourselves down. This is a big, bold, brassy a podcast, podcast. about a big movie. This is the biggest <laughs> little podcast in Texas. Mm-hmm. The smallest Texas. big uh, podcast uh, of the littlest Texas. It's the littlest, biggest Texas in the podcast bigs. It's big trouble in little podcast. <laughs> it's big dark lighter. <laughs> and so smally just, smalls. So just reach over to your computer and click off. <laughs> <laughs> then drag this podcast to the delete can and let go. <laughs> Delete can. <laughs> you can either delete it or you can drag it to the trash can. I don't know about this. You got a delete can in this apartment? <laughs> so, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? I have a recycling delete can. Uh, we... I asked you a question. <laughs> How dare I? This is a podcast where we talk about bad movies and then we discuss them. Hold on. We talk about them and then we discuss them? Let me make sure I get the order correct, because I'd hate to discuss it and then talk about it. All right. Very important. We watch a bad movie. You're the boss of this operation? And then we discuss it And so we watched, thereafter. we watched a bad movie tonight, did we not? We watched a little film called Safe Haven. Safe Haven. Safe. Uh, it's a Nicholas Haven. Sparks <laughs> joint. And they, well, no, but, but who, it was directed by... It was by, directed uh, by Lassa Halstrom. Or however it's pronounced, who yeah. fa- was a fairly big name in the international filmmaking market. Yeah, you yeah. may remember his his uh, indie film international breakthrough, My Life as a Dog. Yep, also known as the Wolf Man. <laughs> no actual dogs or wolves. Wait, is that with James Spader and Jack Jack Nicholson? Uh, no, you're thinking of a robot robot cop meets the Shining. <laughs> I think I think that the movie I think Not the movie Robocop, <laughs> Robot Cop. I think the movie you're thinking of is the Shaggy DA. Actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, he also did. The DA wh- stood for Dinosaur Assassin. <laughs> 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 he did What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which uh, was an early uh, also a dinosaur Leonardo DiCaprio uh, film he was of nominated note. Nominated for an Academy Award, right? Yeah, his first nomination. But uh, now he's making Nicholas Sparks movies. Yeah. And let me tell you, I wish he was making he made a movie. The shit out of this movie. If only he had made a movie of the band Sparks, which would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, a little late, maybe. I mean, they're still around. They didn't strike while the iron was hot in that Sparks film. <laughs> no, they probably should have made it 25, 30 years ago. But, you know. Isn't there an alcoholic beverage that's like a mixture of soda and booze called Sparks? Like one of those. Uh... It's a mixture of soda and a public park. <laughs> You take dirt from a public park. I, I ask a genuine question here, dudes. <laughs> well, you're the bartender. You should know. Yeah, I don't pay that close attention to what I get people. People ask, they're like, make me a Manhattan. And you're like, you got it. Jägermeister okay. and beer. <laughs> 
Make me a make me a cosmopolitan. All right, here's here's uh, a baby's diaper and some ammonia. Here's twelve olives served with some roses lime juice. Get me make me an apple teeny. No booze in there. All right, well here's here's an apple and I put a razor blade in it. Ouch. I call that pulling a night of the demons. <laughs> uh, but so this movie is based on a novel by Nicholas Sparks. Mm-hmm. Romance genius. He's best known for writing books. Knocking it out of the park. For ladies. Uh-huh. Uh, the Notebook is one of them. The Notebook. Uh, the Story of O, I think, is another. <laughs> and of course, uh, uh, Blood, oh, um, uh, Blood Meridian. Yeah. I think it's also a Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> or the uh, Color of the Evening Sky in the West. What is the, what is the subtitle of that? Oh, yeah, something like that. Anyway. Anyway, he writes novels. I've never read any of them. Of them. Not I, I'm not making any judgment calls. They're just not my taste. Mm-hmm. You know, I yep. like historical nonfiction books about presidents or, you know, how pencils get made. Mm-hmm. And you like your romance to be more in the line of... Two television characters fucking each other. <laughs> you find these stories on the internet rather uh, yeah, than yeah. purchasing them. Well, I read some very good ones about uh, Dana Scully and Fox Mulder, and some also very good ones about Will and Grace. Turns yeah. out he's not as gay as he thinks yeah. in this fan fiction. Quite ribald tales. <laughs> yeah, quite ribald. For, ribald for her pleasure. <laughs> so should we talk about what happens in this movie? I don't want to talk about there's not, <laughs> there's not much that happens in this movie. It's, it's, actually, this is a movie that's almost two hours long, and I know we harp on length a lot. This is almost two hours long, and there is enough story in here for maybe an episode of like, I don't know, like a, a half hour anthology like a, film. Well, I guess it's like, like, an episode of Wings, basically. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are actual plot developments in this movie. But they are dispensed with so quickly, whereas the rest of the movie, it, like where nothing has happened, it happens at great length. So our this main... is a film that's rife with incident. <laughs> yes, right. right. That's what you said. Yeah. I remember you, last last episode. I, I recommended a movie called Gregory's Girl, which is mm-hmm. basically a series of small incidents. They're very entertaining and charming, and you get a sense of the characters. This movie is a series of small incidents where nothing happens. You get a sense of nobody, and it feels like a lot of shots that were them killing time before they started shooting the movie. Yep. It's like if you decided to base a movie on like a commercial, uh, with the part, the footage in, an, in a prescription drug commercial where it's just silently showing people like shopping or doing crafts while they read the side effects, that's what this movie feels like. But then They remove the narration <laughs> about the side effects of the drug and they're just showing you those scenes. But then with 40 minutes left, the movie springs a number of melodramatic traps on you. It turns into a thriller. Yeah. That's, I mean, it starts like a thriller. It starts with like a thriller. We start should, with. Wait, should we talk about it? Let's say what happens. Then. Okay. So our heroine, Katie Juliana Haug, how is yeah. her name pronounced? Haug. <laughs> She's a former Dancing with the Stars champion, not in the movie, in mm-hmm. real life. Our hero heroine, Katie. Uh, also, star of Rock of Ages, which um, we didn't recognize her at all. <laughs> Elliot and I. I mean, Stuart has an excuse; he wasn't here, but neither Elliot nor I was able to uh, determine that at all. Yeah. But meanwhile, Kobe Smolders, mm-hmm. everyone recognized right off the bat. Yeah. Well, well Kobe, yeah. come on. And she smolders. Yeah. She's she, from a hit TV show, Elliot. It's hilarious. Yeah, mm-hmm. Shield. About the method in Wait, which what? one meets the shield? one's with mother. No, not the Shield. <laughs> Michael Chicklet. With Michael Chicklets, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay. Katie, our main character, played by the dancing girl. Yeah. She is running for her life, it seems. She's got a bloody knife in her hand, and we don't know what's going on. It's mm-hmm. very chaotic. Uh, Brittany Kevin chaotic even and she is 
goes to the bus stop. Suddenly, she's got short blonde hair. She was a brunette a second ago. She's at the bus station. She gets on a bus. A cop is running after her with her picture. Did you see this woman? Did you see this woman? We assume she just killed a man. Yeah. And now she's on the run from the police. But she gets away. The cop does his best to ignore the one witness who starts giving him information. <laughs> yeah. There is one guy. Is like... <laughs> he shows them her. Shows this guy her picture. She's a brunette with long hair. He goes, you see this woman? You see this woman? And he starts walking away. And the guy's like, yeah, but she's a blonde with short hair. And he's already, at, he's already walking away. <laughs> that was the it. lead that could have cracked the case. No. So she takes a long-distance bus, and she ends up in the small town in North Carolina that we named Point Awkward, (laughs) because it's a little harbor town where every conversation anyone has is very awkward, with lots of stuttering and stop-starts, no one knows what to say. And no one knows how to open a door. Every time anyone tries to open any door in this movie, it either sticks, they pull it too hard, they hit someone with it, I imagine. Like, it's crazy. It's like this town, the door was just introduced to it. (laughs) It's like one of those towns you read about in old science fiction stories from the 19th century, where they find like a little town nestled in in a valley that's still living like it's medieval or caveman times, but here's just that the door just never made it to them, and now finally they have doors, you know. Mm-hmm. Some kind of music caveman man. Caveman doors. Some, kind, got some kind of music man type character came to this town and mm-hmm. sold them a bunch of doors. <laughs> Nobody knows how to use them. But anyway, she enters this quaint little cottage town. She buys a spooky house in the woods. Yep. Uh, the floorboards immediately break, and there's possums underneath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Not as say, awesome as it sounds. She goes down to the local... She gets a job as a waitress at Ivan's, a seaside shack. It's actually just a seaside seafood restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, goes down to the local general store, the trading post, to pick up some provisions and encounters a cute little girl named Lexi who's manning the register because her dad is busy. Her dad is a single father, widower, uh, who has a young daughter and a young son named Josh. And Josh is depressed, still sad his mom died. He's having trouble getting over it, and he loves to fish. Those are his two character traits. Also, he hates having his picture taken, which is something that never really comes yeah. to anything. The widower is played uh, by Josh uh, Duhamel. Yeah, yeah. Who you Tim might remember. McCoy, right? You might remember him from one of those Transformer movies or from being the poor man's Timothy Oliphant. What was the TV show that he was on? Las Vegas, where mm-hmm. his character's name was Danny McCoy. Wow, based on our Dan McCoy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Less handsome than ours. Yeah, I, I remember... That whole storyline, it was like half a season where he tore his ACL. Yeah. <laughs> and he <laughs> would not he shut not, up about he it. He would not stop talking about it's it. Like, James Conn, give me some sympathy. <laughs> James Conn was on the show. Yep. <laughs> it, wasn't just, it wasn't just an exclamation. <laughs> oh, James Conn, I could get so mad at you. <laughs> or like he stubbed his toe and goes, oh, James Conn. <laughs> anyway, a, a lot of nothing happens as the main characters, uh, Katie and the guy's name is Alex fall in love together and she, Katie and she she makes a friend in town named Joe played by Kobe Smolders. she makes a friend mm-hmm. with this lady Joe who's always hanging around at her house walking with her down the backcountry roads uh, and Joe shows up one day just peering into her uh, rickety old house and uh, she's just like, she oh, sorry, I heard someone new moved in. Uh, I just want to see who you were, etc. And they become fast friends because that's how it happens. When you find someone peering into your home, you become fast yeah, friends somebody, with somebody them. haunting around the outside of your house. And <laughs> haunting? That seems like a weird choice, choice of words, words. but uh, okay. It's, it's, it's pretty common. Now, here's the thing. There's a twist with Joe. And for the first couple scenes, I'm sure the twist would be that she's a lesbian who has a crush on Katie. Because <laughs> she is very attentive to Katie. Yeah. And she always she's seems coming kind, on strong. kind of awkward in a way that you would be if you had a crush on somebody. But uh, meanwhile, 
back in Boston where she ran away from, the police officer is desperately trying to find her. He, he was desperately home. seeking Susan, <laughs> if her name was Susan. If her name was Katie, <laughs> it was this movie. Yeah. He's going through all the bus depot security cameras. He takes hours, days to do it, which makes no oh, yeah. sense, because he knows exactly what time she got it's to the needle, bus station. It's a needle in a haystack, Elliot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't, no, it shouldn't be, though. And uh, he puts out an APB. He's drinking heavily vodka out of a Dasani water bottle. And it, <laughs> Dasani must have paid heavily to be, have, be featured in this film. They're like, Dasani, the best bottle to use when you're pretending you're not an alcoholic. Dasani, buy our bottle. Maybe there'll be vodka in it. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Don't settle for normal water like Poland Spring when maybe you get a little nip of vodka. <laughs> get, get a little something I extra in there. Get some of Sergi's medicine. Mm-hmm. The old potato water. <laughs> Makes mama's day go faster. <laughs> Dago, Dan, in this day and age, to use language like that, <laughs> I am offended and insulted. And I'm, I'm not sorry. even that. I almost ethnicity. think that is an actual regular water you're drinking. And in fact, it's potato water. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just realized now, glancing at the Wikipedia thing, that it describes. Uh, it describes Kevin, the police officer. Meanwhile, Kevin, a rather husky Boston police <laughs> officer, which is weird. They don't know what husky means. They don't, because he's it's not. It's got to be from the book or something. I think that he has, like, a husky voice is what they mean. Like, he's he's very ragged. A real and, like, Jessica Rabbit type. <laughs> maybe they yeah, think exactly, it, yeah. maybe I they, think they brought uh, <laughs> Kathleen Turner in to do the voice. I think it means, like, uh, tough, like a husky dog. Like, uh, like yeah, a, yeah, like your... your Call uh, the Wild. When you're yeah, Baltus, sure. if you will. <laughs> not like... Uh, <laughs> not like he's... He's gonna be uh, shopping for his overalls in the like the, the oversized section in of the, the story. In the stout boys section. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Wikipedia thinks he's husky. He's actually in very good shape. Anyway, let's cut to the chase. Alex and Kate. Oh, no, we're, uh, yeah, Alex. Right? Is that Alex and Katie fall in love? Lexi takes to her instantly. I just realized how weird it is that his name is Alex and his daughter's name is Lexi. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like George Will Foreman. And hmm. Will and Willow. Will, Will Smith and his daughter Willow Smith. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and yeah. his son, Will R. Smith. Mm-hmm. The male version. And his other son, Will I Am. <laughs> really? Oh, that's his son? Yeah. Yeah. And his other son, Will, Will Wheaton. Will, Will Willard, the guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. but the, Talks to rats. And then, <laughs> that anyway, guy. Stuart bailed on that one. <laughs> so they fall in love. They bailed to drink water. out of his bottle of water, I see. If I was going to list for you. Yeah, water. <laughs> yeah, potato water. <laughs> If I was going to list for you all the things that happened in this movie, it would sound like this. They go to the beach. They sell popcorn to some people on a bus. Mm -hmm. They go canoeing and it rains. It is... She stabs a flounder with a gib? With a spear. She gigs gigs a flounder by spearing it with a spear. He makes her a bicycle. She doesn't want to accept it at first. Then she does. They make out. They talk about how to grill a flounder for a while. They have Mm -hmm. the best... Maybe the best snippet of film conversation I think I've ever heard in a date where <laughs> it's re- they were canoeing and it rained really hard. Yeah. They somehow ran to a diner. And, and this diner, what's d- weird is nobody, everyone in the diner acts as if they can't see them and just ignores them, which makes me think that for a second I was like, wait, are they supposed to be ghosts? <laughs> like, what's going on? Did they die on that canoe? It's impossible. There's no character that's a ghost how in could there movie, be? Right? There's nothing supernatural in the movie, so how could mm-hmm. there be? Uh, but but they, then the movie dissolves to later in their conversation. They're talking, it dissolves to later in the conversation. It's like a fucking horror movie. Where you just, you hear him say, "What? what's weird is gorillas are so strong, but they don't eat meat. They yeah. just eat, like, fruits and vegetables and kale. And she goes, 
kale is very good for you. <laughs> it's very healthy. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but it's like, is it genetic then? Yeah, like, no shit, it's totally genetic. <laughs> yeah, a gorilla's strength isn't genetic. No, but- it's working out at the, at the local gym. <laughs> no, that, that gorilla has a subscription to Jack LaLanne's. Well, again, this is more This is more product placement. This was kale. This was part of kale's short-lived gorilla strong campaign. <laughs> oh, and the kale council was trying to, yeah. trying to sell more to gorillas. Yeah. <laughs> Be they strong. Be sp- gorilla strong. <laughs> Eat kale. They should have advertised in Zookeeper. Yeah. <laughs> and then the gorilla... At TGI Primates, <laughs> whatever that was. Instead of ordering oranges at TJ Friday, should have ordered a big bowl of kale. <laughs> said, helps keep me strong, along with my healthy jeans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Beautiful boy jeans. What? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say beautiful boy jeans? No, I might have said that. <laughs> so, this mm. is the most free associated fluff house yet. Uh, so, they, they get home late. They, they make out, he, the dad gets home late and his daughter's mad at him for about two seconds. But uh-oh, then we learn, get ready for a shocking twist. Shocking twist. Mm-hmm. The police officer, who seems to have totally free access to the crime scene at any point. He's on a rampage. He's on a rampage and he keeps harassing this neighbor woman who might be Katie's mother, who lives across the street, who won't let her in the house. But, turns out there's a twist. He's not a police officer investigating no. case. He is a police officer. He is... Her husband, bum bum bum, Get out of here. her alcoholic, abusive husband, who, as we see in a flashback, a flashback so strong it knocks Katie off the bicycle she's riding. <laughs> yeah, she is riding home after uh, Josh Duhamel's uh, briefly breaks up with her, thinking that she is actually a murderess. Oh, that's right. I forgot the cop puts out an APB, and the local police who are so distracted by the fireworks they're planning for the Fourth of July that they don't see what they're <laughs> they putting don't up notice. on the bulletin board. They put up the poster, which has an artist simulation of what she looks like now with her new hair uh josh Dehamel sees it and he says he puts what two and one together yeah mm-hmm. and to make to make eight <laughs> and uh meanwhile the cops are still playing in that fireworks display uh they he goes back and says you're an attempted murderer your name is aaron you weren't gonna tell me these things and mm-hmm. she's like i'm sorry and he's like yeah. that's it you endangered my children forget it and instead of explaining what actually happened she hops on her bicycle and rides, <laughs> rides off away. and the memory is so just hits her so surprisingly yeah. and uh it turns out one night her cop husband came home to dinner was drinking too, <laughs> was drinking too much wine. That's she said twist. she took the wine bottle away from the table, and he said, I'm, "I didn't say I was done with that." And they get start arguing. He gets so mad, he crushes a wine glass, and then he's hitting her really hard. And then she stabs him in the side, and then puts a bunch of clothes in a plastic bag, and I guess maybe it's money. I don't yeah. know. And runs out of the house, gets on the bus, and escapes. So we know... Takes all of his favorite shirts. This isn't... This isn't... Yeah. It's just like The Great Gatsby. Such beautiful shirts. I have to take them with me. Uh, he, we know this isn't his job. This is vengeance. He yeah. wants his wife back. I mean... What? With a vengeance? With a vengeance. <laughs> all right. I couldn't think of a sinister way to end it. I've got a couple of obje- objections. If he, if he can't have his wife, no one will. Yeah? I have two objections to this scene. Uh, one semi-moral... One, uh, just cinematic. The first is that this movie is so terrible that the movie does not earn this, like, twist domestic violence scene, which is genuinely upsetting to watch, I feel like. But number two, just as a point of staging in the film, um, the, the our main character seems so in love with him at the beginning of the scene, and then 
it escalates so quickly that it seems like you're, you you kind of have to assume that this is supposed to be a pattern of abuse, but it plays like this is the first time it's like ever the happened. first time it's ever happened, and it escalated all the way to her stabbing him and running away immediately. Well, they're passionate people, and I don't think any of us have that much experience in uh, being in abusive relationships, Dan, except for potentially this one between me and you right now. <laughs> sure. So <laughs> you are both drinking. Uh. But I think it was awesome, and it was almost in black and white. So that's how you know it was in the past. Wait, what? <laughs> almost in black and white. What it does was that mean? Li- it was like two toned It was like it was like color. saturated. The colors yeah. were saturated. But uh, oh, that's how you know it was in the past. Let's take a moment at this melodramatic twist. Now that you're excited about the movie, uh-huh. to point out one thing, which is that as uh, Stewart, I think, it was who mentioned this while we were watching the movie, that this is the perfect follow up to Playing for Keeps because it's also about a char- a charismaless personalityless person who everyone in town falls in love with the minute katie rides into town she's very pretty yeah everyone's up in her business she's got she's got a totally sweet bottom and she wears yeah. shorts all the time but she's she has <laughs> Note like, that it was not me saying that no nope, it was me i'll admit it for dan must have thrown his voice about a character off. with <laughs> arguably a character who like you know we can assume that she marries that guy uh after the movie's end so he's talking about two people's wives in this uh <laughs> And this, uh, I know I'm the, I have the reputation about talking about uh, wives' asses. Because you did that. Yeah. No. Well, it's a fictional character I'm talking about, Dan. All right. With a fictional butt. Okay. Yeah, but she's played by a real. It's person. a real butt. But it's a fake. To but it's a fake butt. Oh, okay. It's a stunt butt. <laughs> okay. It's all. It's all CGI. <laughs> it's Kevin Costner's stunt butt from. Uh, <laughs> well, they did, Prince it's of just Thieves. like the way they did the crow, where they digitally added Brandon Lee's face to a different actor. Oh. They did this. They digitally added someone else's butt to her. Mm. I assume. That's why that butt fell into the uncanny valley. <laughs> <laughs> the butt candy valley. I was like, ah, yeah. oh, it's a good butt, but it feels creepy it too. It looks a little too good. Yeah. Not quite good enough. Anyway, she has. She's very standoffish. She's very awkward. She's kind of cold to everybody, and yet they all fall over their feet for her. She's everybody got in this town. Joe, potential lesbian, chasing her around. Mm-hmm. She's got a job right off the bat. She's really attracting this widower with the cute kids and the store. A businessman, a small business owner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she has no. There's nothing about her with she the audience. Talks her way into this beautiful cabin out in the woods. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it does. Every time they show her house, it does look like the Evil Dead are about to get her. Or as Dan, I think, said that she's about to be straw dogs. <laughs> My favorite thing is that the the one home improvement thing she does is paints the floor. She paints the, the floor yellow. The, yeah. The rest of it looks like it's falling to pieces. Yeah. It's a real Tucker, she, Tucker and Dale versus she also, evil, uh, repair job. She also paints the floor that she's already stepped through once. She's and like, then oh, this. And threw it again. Yeah, this floor is rotten with termites. I know it's going to fix this. A good coat of paint. That'll keep the possums out. Uh, but so I guess what I'm saying is, I Possum have to assume. sappers underneath her house. I have to assume. <laughs> sappers? <laughs> sabotaging it? I have to assume that everyone in town just, like, really fell for her butt. Yeah, she sure. She doesn't have any a real personality going for her. It's a. It's a it's a poorly written character is what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, but anyway, so melodrama. We're back. They've broken up. Then the husband's on her trail. We know it's her husband. Uh, and He gets his, uh, his boss sets him down, takes his vodka away, and yeah. says, I'm going to need your gun and badge. Yeah. You're too sweaty to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to towel off. Then you can go back to your desk. We've had a, we've had a lot of reports about you being too sweaty around uh, uh, we've suspects. Got, we've got moistness rules right here. This is the point in the movie where it does look like some crazy guy's bitten him on the hand and he's slowly <laughs> becoming a zombie infected thing. Yeah, yeah he, he is. He his performance goes quickly from 
no personality to shambling horror. <laughs> and it's like someone is, it's like he's in the late stages of a movie disease of some kind, where it's just sweat pouring off his mm-hmm. face and huge bags under his eyes. And he's like, huh? 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 Like, he just doesn't know where he is. So anyway, he decides he's going to track this bitch down. He doesn't use those words, but he's going to track this lady down. Meanwhile, Alex and Katie get back together again. Yeah. Uh, he apologizes for jumping to conclusions. And Jumping to conclusions based on this based bolo. On a poster that says <laughs> suspected murderer. <laughs> this person of interest <laughs> wanted poster down well, the police station. Well, I'm glad to get over this and out of the way so we can focus on this fireworks display. Because the fireworks display is coming up. They have really yeah. built this thing up. And let me tell you, it does not live up to the hype. <laughs> no. I've seen a few fireworks. I consider myself an American patriot. Fourth of July <laughs> just isn't the same without a bunch of fireworks. I've seen some good, some damn good fireworks shows, and let me tell you, Point Awkward's fireworks show does not stack up. It's just a couple of explosions of color in the night sky. Even it's the fireworks like, are awkward. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, explosion. It's like if Antonioni directed a fireworks display. I really like the, wanted to get across the ennui of the fireworks. The anticipation makes each firework better. Yeah, it's tantric fireworks. <laughs> you hold off for five hours, and then you can do fireworks for seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe and that's what makes this, this place so good. Maybe it's just a fireworks display that continues for a whole week. <laughs> wow! Well, and we're just seeing it just goes out in slow couple, time. There's a couple great characters on the in the Fourth of July ser- celebration, by which I mean people with giant paper mache founding fathers' heads. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great... There's a Franklin, a Washington, and a Lincoln. Not a founding father, but there's a Franklin and a Bash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our two best founding fathers. <laughs> Yeah, there's a key and a peel. <laughs> a Rizzoli and Isles. <laughs> a, uh, Both a Cagney and a Lacey. Yeah, a Kate Wait. and Allie. Wait, uh, uh, a fat man and a Jake. <laughs> yep. A Simon and Simon. A Patty Duke and Patty Duke. <laughs> sure. An Amos and Andy. <laughs> okay. And so forth. And so you get the idea. Things that come in two with an and in the middle. Yeah, say a couple of them to yourself. <laughs> you know, like Milo and Otis. Play at home. The Flophouse home game. <laughs> yeah. Pause the podcast right now. Pause it right now. And going. for 25 minutes, just name duos that have and in the middle. Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> Luke Cage and Power Man. Heroes for Hire. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're back. So <laughs> Jacoby and Myers. <laughs> Giant foam ones of those. So, yeah, yeah it's this great party. Everybody's Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Everybody's way into Thunderbolt it. and Lightfoot. Anyway, there's a 4th of July party going on. Everybody loves it. Uh, the dad and the son decide to go off. He's come around a little bit to accepting Katie and as a member of their group. He was very resistant because he missed his mom. Uh, and Katie stays behind with, I mean, with Lexi, but... Uh oh. And nobody seems to care that this shambling horror of a detective <laughs> yeah. is lurching about town. They're, they're yeah. in the, during the Fourth of July parade, <laughs> he's this guy's literally wandering through the middle of the parade, accosting every blonde woman he sees. <laughs> the police, so busy rigging up the fireworks, the pyrotechnics are just not stopping him. It is like, there's so many times in this movie where you ask yourself, am I the only one who can see this guy? <laughs> like, yeah. is everyone in the movie, can they see him? Is he actually there? 
Or did like and, I dream? And, but and it turns out that he's a ghost. Because yeah, there's, there's no ghosts. No, there's, there's no, no ghosts, ghosts in, in this movie. world. There's nothing that's let us. There's if the most supernatural thing we've seen in the movie is someone break their foot through a floorboard, and that's yeah. not supernatural. It was clearly the work of some possum underneath the house. Yeah, not even a ghost possum. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably not. Could be a ghost they're possum. Pretty creepy looking. Now, okay, Katie, wait, wait. they falls there's asleep. And has a dream that Joe, her best friend, the mm-hmm. possible lesbian, and not at all a ghost, <laughs> Joe tells her, your husband's here. She wakes up. She sees it's true. He's outside. She goes down to try to calm him down and make him leave. Talk him off. Talk mm-hmm. him away. He's like, I love you. And she says, no, I'm... St-. She goes, let me take you. He goes, let me take you home. And she goes, I am home. And then... He pulls a gun. Bump, bump, bump. Oh, no, he didn't pull the gun yet, right? He probably pulls a gun. He starts spraying gasoline all over the place, and he's about to light it on fire, and she stops him. He pulls a gun, uh, and they walk away, and fireworks, little, you know, uh, flares, sparks. In addition to stirring fires within the hearts of all true patriots. <laughs> yeah. Fireworks are dangerous because they might uh, set a fire where a crazy person has spread, spread gas all over... All over the country store. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Goes up in flames. No, Lexi, the Which cute little girl, is up there. That's why I appreciate our state's strict anti-fireworks laws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't buy them, can't set them off, except with municipal permission. <laughs> now, there's a fire raging. A fire raging inside us. It's called heartburn. <laughs> That's where my lawyer to talk to you. Because it's not really your heart, it's me, your stomach. Telling you, do you guys remember Wait, those old ads? Where he was saying, You're my stomach? No, there were those ads. Is that the twist in Safe Haven? Yeah, the twist in Safe Haven is I'm Dan's stomach. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And tell me. Wait, hold on. I'm going back over. It does make sense. Remember when all that food you ate went into me? <laughs> Every piece. Wait, I've never seen you and my stomach in the same room before. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> it's like a real M. Night Shyamalan ending. <laughs> it's called The Sixth Stomach. Shemal. Or The Stomach Sense. Also, undigestible. <laughs> and let's not forget... The st- um. the st- <laughs> stomach in the water. <laughs> stomach in... I think it'd be tummy in the water. Tummy in the water? What are the movies? <laughs> Wait, I guess crap comes out of your stomach. Yeah, sure. At some point. Anyway, so there's a fire raging. Uh-oh. She goes, no. The dad sees it happening. He races back, saves his daughter. And meanwhile, the girl, uh, Kristen and her husband are... It's Katie. Katie, whatever. Katie and her husband, who cares? <laughs> it's the same favorite. Who the fuck cares? Katie, Katie and her husband are fighting. He's got a gun. Ah, oh no. da 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 And she pulls the trigger. Boom, shoots him in the head. And he's yeah. dead. Oh, it's but he's not... dead in fact. Yeah. He's not the only... Another movie <laughs> solved by killing someone. I also forgot to mention earlier in the movie that the sun falls into the water. Katie sees it and goes, no! And that that's what tips off the dad, that he needs to jump in and save him. So... Everyone saved the kids by this point. Now, yeah. okay. Movie's over. Movie's over, right? The evil husband is dead. Yeah. We can Mo- move on with our yeah. lives. It turns out... Movie's over. Thankfully, ghost-free. 100%. <laughs> ended the movie with no ghosts in it. Not a hint of the supernatural or the eerie. No need to call the Ghostbusters not- because we are in control. <laughs> <laughs> not a sight of a phantasmum, no. nor a hint the various drop of ectoplasm. <laughs> Nothing. No. 
Not even Ecto Cooler. <laughs> no Slimer. <laughs> no Poltergeist. No Ghosts of Christmas Past, Present, or Future. Mm-hmm. Not even a Poltergeist. <laughs> no Spectres. Not even Willie Geist of MSNBC's <laughs> Morning Joe. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, so, but it turns out the widow, the wife, before she died, wrote letters to all the children, and they're labeled like to Lexi on her 18th birthday. To Josh on mm-hmm. his graduation. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Ji Wee Newmar. I mean, that's the whole letter, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, she's written one that just says, to her. And it's to whoever the husband falls in love with next. Mm-hmm. And it is a long, yeah. rambling note. And it note. starts, you skank. <laughs> get away from you, my husband. Oh, get your hands off my man. And then a ghost jumps out of the envelope and strangles her. No, I wish. Anyway, uh, it's just like the end of Drag Me to Hell. <laughs> Where the not bad person who went to a lot of trouble gets dragged to hell anyway. But, uh, spoiler. That's anyway, the moral. The moral is, check your fucking pockets before you get on a train. <laughs> yeah. That's the moral of drag me to hell. <laughs> check all your pockets so you know you don't have a cursed coin in your pocket. <laughs> oh, sorry, a cursed button in your pocket. <laughs> it's, not, it's one of those morals that's really applicable in day-to-day life. <laughs> yeah, too. check your pockets is a great moral. If you live in a place with scorpions, check your shoes, too. There could be a scorpion or a cursed button in it. Spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> I'm Bob Barker for The Price is Right. do 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 so she's written so Katie is reading the letter their safe haven's been burned to the ground burned to a crisp burned to a crisp extra down to the ground it is blackened crispy (laughs) style (laughs) it is Cajun style just gumbo you guarantee that safe haven is gone and she reads this letter that's like to the woman my my husband is in love with I hope you love him too because he gave you this letter. He loves you. Take care of him. Blah, blah, blah. I'm glad he's found you. He needs somebody, etc. And Don't mess up my kids for life. And you know what's coming from a yeah. mile away. You're waiting for the reveal. It's you, And they just take so long to reveal it. And then finally you see a picture of the wife who died. Mm-hmm. It's Joe, her friend Joe, that you yeah. realize now nobody ever saw or interacted with. Robin Scherbatsky, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was Smash her. cut to shots from earlier in the movie, and now this character is disappearing from every single one. Like, Never there. Like her parents yeah. didn't get Ghosts married and back to the future. apparently don't exist. She just came back to vet her husband's new wife. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. they, so a movie I can that, see you fucking my husband. A movie... <laughs> you know I mean, what? She probably did. They probably had a shot of her like watching it yeah. through the window. Yeah, yeah that's the stuff. She checked out her... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not work it more. Come on. Come on. Don't be frightened. It's not going to hurt you. Keep going. He knows where you're going. He doesn't like that. No, 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 no. Don't put that there. No, 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 no. He's got issues. Okay. Yes. Okay. No. Okay. Slower. Fast. Now faster. Slower again. No, no. Too slow. Now upside down. Okay. Okay. Now twice. Why don't you guys take a break? You need a breather. You're just not getting it. Let me show you. Take the masks off. Let me ghost fuck him to show you what I'm talking about. Because you obviously have no idea what you're doing. I'm amazed you got this far in life without knowing how to do it. Let a ghost teach you how to have sex, because that's how bad you are at it. Man. Uh, what but an angry actually, ghost. Ghosts probably know. What we've learned from Ghostbusters is that ghosts have great blowjobs, so yeah, maybe they're good at sex, at too. They make your eyes go cross-eyed. They make you go cross-eyed in a scene that shouldn't be in the movie. <laughs> uh, so anyway. This, <laughs> You're dressed as Napoleon. This movie that has not had a hint of the supernatural 
ends with a ghost reveal. Boom. Yeah. Thanks, Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> Thanks, Safe Haven. You did it. You done, done it again. I'm done with you. Now, three things about this movie. It's great for me because I don't like romances, but I love ghosts. So, at the end, so Stuart was like, I hate this movie. And then you know it was a ghost and you were like, I love this movie. And you're like, Stuart, are you okay? Are you crying? I'm not crying at that ghost. And uh, so we we all agreed the movie should have been called Ghost Mom or Help, My Mom is a Ghost. Or Shut Up Ghost. Or I Divorced a Ghost. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he divorced a ghost. When somebody dies of cancer, <laughs> yes, I just divorced this ghost. Till death do we part, but not really. Uh, so, it, there are three things about this movie. One, it is super slow and super dull, but to the point where, for the first hour of the movie, almost nothing is happening, but so little is happening that it feels ominous, and yep. you're waiting for some terrible th- like. I that's was halfway some audition-esque reveal. Yeah. Well, that's like, what I tips knew... the movie more than anything. You're like, there's got to be more to the movie than this. And it's the the what the the comparison I was making to you guys was it's like in Casino Royale after they've stopped Le, they've stopped the Chifre, they won the big Texas Hold'em game. They everything's fine. Uh, James Bond's balls have healed from getting hit with a carpet yeah. beater, oh and uh, <laughs> they're just gallivanting around Venice for like eight minutes, nine minutes, and you're like, well. You're trying to make me think everything's okay, but I know it can't be okay, or the movie would have ended. It's not just a travelogue at the end. (laughs) Movies don't routinely end with nine or ten minutes of the characters just doing fine. (laughs) So you know that something's going to happen in this movie because nothing is. Five minutes. It's not all just going to be footage of them like smiling on a beach (laughs) and going occasionally buying things at a store. (laughs) Although I was thinking like. Perhaps one of the reasons why everyone was acting so awkward throughout the whole movie was to camouflage how awkward it was that she was talking to a ghost. Maybe, maybe. I'm just like, oh, if everyone seems weird, then it's not weird that her friend Joe just hangs out in her cabin and never interacts with anyone else. But like the clever movie making, yeah. The the dullness of the of the first scenes should have built up like a town of cannibals or something like that, you know. Or maybe, yeah, maybe everyone's a ghost. Like, it really felt like you were waiting for some huge audition twist. And there are twists that come out of nowhere, but they're, like, super stupid twists. Well, it's like like what you're saying, the idea of doing something so obvious just to try and disguise something else. Like, they, they try to obfuscate the fact that the, the police officer is this woman's husband, so that he goes to their neighbor... And is, ask, is showing her pictures. Have you seen this woman who's clearly his wife? And like, that's his neighbor. As dude. if, like, as if he's never that? met these people, as if they've never met him. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and she doesn't say anything like, yeah, she ran away from you, you abusive asshole. Or yeah. Like, she doesn't, or she doesn't like call the, uh, the chief of police and be like, hey, I'm being hassled by one of your drunk cops. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, my favorite characters, aside from the Founding Fathers' paper mache heads, were yeah. the cops, who are so enamored of these fireworks <laughs> that they totally miss this huge drama that's going on beneath their noses. There's a crazy guy wandering the town, there's a suspected murderer dating their best friend, and meanwhile, they just can't get enough of these fireworks. Well, and I like that they're there helping uh, the hero set off the fireworks. He sees his house on fire, and he's like, oh, my God, i got to go help them. And the cops are like, okay, go take care of that. We got this. Yeah. <laughs> We're on fireworks, dude. Like, you stop that We'll take care of the, the holiday celebrations. And the other thing is that this is a movie with a stabbing, a shot to the head, a fire that endangers a little kid, a kid who almost drowns, and the two most exciting scenes in it. One, potentially more ghosts. 
Yeah, oh, potentially ghosts. Yeah, more more than one ghost. The two mo- for me, the two most exciting scenes in the whole movie were a brief conversation about gorillas and kale, <laughs> and a scene where a little girl recommends paint colors to a woman painting the floor of a kitchen. Yeah, like, those were the for, the for me. Those were the scene, scenes with the movie was like, all right, now we're getting somewhere. And then the old guy says to Josh Duhamel, "Oh, we're we're selling paint now." Why'd they fucking have paint color chips? They have a book of paint samples, and the daughter <laughs> said, sense. oh, we have a book of paint samples. It's, I did, the, but... Uh, Maybe it was put there by the ghost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Fair ghost enough. has been... That would, would have been great. The ghost is a, a, a paint rep. There was a series... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she gets a ghost mission. Yeah. Uh, the, it would have been great if there were scenes then of the ghost planting things in different places. Like, she's sawing away at the floorboard to make it weak so that she has to go to the store. <laughs> she's putting the paint book in there, and then she turns to the daughter and goes, shh. She uh, pushes the son into the water so he almost drowns yeah. to make it, you know, to get that moment going. She's oh. a real prankster spirit. It's just like that scene mm-hmm. in Identity with little kids running around killing all those people, <laughs> even though it only happened in John Cusack's head, so yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's in John Cusack's body. Or not even John, John Cusack's Cusack. head. What's in his the, face? In the prisoner's head. Yeah. John Cusack. Um, look, we've gone on for a long time. I think we can skip Final Judgments. I think it's safe to say that we all thought this was a bad, bad movie. I think movie. it was yeah, a good, good movie. It was a boo bad movie. No, it's that not had a, a ghost in it. Yeah, all right. Boo bad. Mm-hmm. Booberry, <laughs> not boob ad, like an advertisement for boobs, which well, we probably support. Oh come on, it would be the best-selling product in the history of the world. Speaking of advertisements, I'd like to say a few words about our sponsor for this uh, program. And who is our fine sponsor? Our for fine this sponsor program? for this program is TiVo. And look, if you're anything like me, you're like, why is life so damn hard? Everything, bum knee. Everything is hard. Everything's. A trial. Well, TiVo has made one thing easier, at least, watching television. Once upon a time, if you wanted to see a TV show, say you wanted to see The Cosby Show, you have to be at home at Thursday night on NBC and watch that stuff. And for one season, you had to choose between The Cosby Show and The Simpsons. Yeah. No more, friends. Now, TiVo will record those shows for you so you can watch them. And you can watch them wherever you want and whenever you want. What if I wanted to watch them at 3 a.m.? You can watch it then. What about midnight? Also then. What about 2 p.m.? You can also watch it at that point. What, what about, about while I'm having a heart attack? You should probably get to the hospital, but once you're done uh, getting yourself checked out, you can come home and watch your show on TV. What about Thursday nights at the same time as the Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> Not the same anymore. They're what on about Sunday. while I'm sleeping? All right. TiVo. sleeping? <laughs> can I watch while you were sleeping? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, I, I know what you may be thinking. Uh, a lot of uh, cable uh, uh, providers now have the DVR boxes. Well, TiVo is a better alternative to your regular DVR boxes because they have things like TiVo Stream, which will let you watch your TV on your iPad and also transfer your recordings so you can take them with you anywhere. Anywhere, Stuart. To the beach, perhaps. To, to awkward point. Yeah. <laughs> to watch fireworks. And only TiVo searches cable. What if cable... I'm on the bus running from my abusive husband? Yes. Yeah, you don't want to leave all your shows behind. No, I Again. want to catch up on like Hannibal. Your old life. Again. I want to catch up on Hannibal and girls. Again, if there's a crisis in your life, you should resolve that crisis and then get back to television. Okay, but TiVo. Yeah, but but TiVo also searches cable on the internet to find any show, movie, or video that you might want to try and find. It makes Netflix, Hulu Plus, Amazon, and YouTube channels on your very own television. With TiVo Mini, in fact, one TiVo box works with two televisions. 
now say you wanted to watch Castle Freak. Sure. You could watch it wherever and whenever you wanted. Now, uh, the important thing to take away here is that visitors to TiVo.com can get $25 off of a new TiVo Premiere, P4, or XL4 DVR by using the promo code promo code ATC for all things comedy. And that's at what website? Uh, TiVo.com. And what's that code again? ATC. And what's that website? TiVo.com. I just want to say that TiVo is the best DVR alternative. Better than the crappy Time Warner DVR box? The terrible Time Warner The really boxes? bad one that breaks all the time? One million times and better. to the point that its circuits melt? <laughs> I don't want to overstate this in case Time Warner turns off my cable, but yes. <laughs> now, ATC, what does that stand for? That stands for All Things Comedy. In fact, if you want to go over to allthingscomedy.com, you can find All Things Comedy. Lots of great comedy podcasts. Try them out. You'll love them. There, I don't even. I don't know that there's a bum one in the bunch. They're part, they're part of our big family. Part of our mm-hmm. family of network podcasts. They put up with put up with us. So yeah, at family occasions, <laughs> and we are a handful. Yeah. Uh, but now we're Tivo.com. We're going to move on to uh, the Flophouse movie mailbag. Uh, this first What's in bag, Elliot. Well, bag? look in the bag, and I think you'll find mail. Hey, what the hell? It's a bag full of mail. There's mail over here and mail over there. Why, look in the bag. You'll see mail everywhere. It's mail for you, Stu, and mail for me. Mail for Dan and maybe Valerie. Who's that? I don't know. Looks like it was misdelivered. The address is for next door, so let's take it over when the podcast is through. But for now, it's the mailbag for me and you. And Val will get that letter to you. It looks like it's a bill or possibly a paycheck. I think you need this. We'll get it to you quickly. I don't know what kind of troubles you're having, but let us know. you got to rely on your neighbors. This intro seems needlessly detailed. The idea of community. I know you're having trouble with your son. He doesn't seem to listen to anyone this is a segment that we're trying to get into kids these days they go through troubles but then they're all right at the flop house mailbag (laughs) there's a lot of comfort for valerie there yeah oh she's gone through a tough time man this is yeah little ronnie is acting up again this letter is from uh tim last name withheld he has no subject but he starts off his letter by saying Wow, Elliot, that letter song was amazing. Thanks. Thank you, Tim. Uh, I appreciate it. It's very nice of you to write in and say that. You know, when I write my letter oh songs, God. I really try to think, what would I feel like if I was a letter? What would I want to mm-hmm. hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get into the character of a letter. You get in the character of a guy opening mail. He says, uh, I've always listened to you waxing lyrical about how delicious Popeyes is from a Popeyes-less Britain. Oh. So until now, I've been unable to sample its chickeny wonders. But now I've moved to Qatar in the Middle East, where Popeyes is everywhere. Popeyes wasn't my main reason for moving, of course. That would be nuts. <laughs> At- moved for the nuts? As a Popeye's virgin, <laughs> they have really good nuts there. As a Popeye's virgin, eager to try this fabled food of the gods, this ambrosia in a bucket, what would you recommend I get? I could even eat along with the next podcast in a smell-o-vision type of deal. And he says, "P.S. Here's the Arabic logo for Popeye's. I wonder if they've literally translated it, though, uh, like popped eyeballs or something." <laughs> and so here's the picture. I'm showing That's it around. Makes me uh-huh. wish I could read Arabic so I could see Popeye's in it. Now, here's my here's my advice. Okay, I don't know how they do it in Qatar, 
but there's two types of Popeyes. There's your mild and your spicy. Mm-hmm. Some prefer spicy, some prefer mild. I prefer mild, but spicy is also very good. Now, Popeyes is a heavy food. You're going to want to start small. I'd say if you never had it before, start with like a two-piece. Get a family-sized bucket? No. <laughs> Get maybe like a two-piece or maybe like a piece of mild and a piece of spicy. See what you like more. And then build from there. At this point, I can eat six, seven pieces in a row sometimes. But <laughs> yeah, for instance... Yeah, you shouldn't overreach on this first No, try. no, no. But for a beginner, you're going to want to try just one or two. But hey, I hope you like it. And if you don't, never talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep enjoying it, and I hope you're having a great time in Cutter. All right, so this second letter is uh, is titled Praise from a New Listener. It's from Michelle, last name withheld. She says, I'm a relatively new listener. <laughs> Michelle Obama. However, I'm so lonely in the White House when my husband, the president, last name withheld, is away. <laughs> All these ghosts keep bothering me, so I have to listen to this podcast. However, despite my... <laughs> <I'm asleep. laughs> it scares the ghosts into sleep. <laughs> <laughs> for ghosts, every day is opposite day. What? <laughs> I've never heard That's of these ghost death. rules before. Is, is this in Tobin Spirit Guide? Yeah. <laughs> she, so go on, Dan. She says, despite my short time with you all, the Flophouse has quickly become my favorite podcast, to the point where the Thank other you. podcasts I subscribe to have a backlog of new episodes I've ignored in favor of listening to an episode of yours again. Beyond my praise, however, I do have a question to pose to the original Peaches. If you could add any one film to the Criterion Collection, which would it be and what special features would you like it to have? Mm, Assume that Castle Freak has already been added and it featured a half-hour short film titled Ding Dong Gate, The Making of a Controversy. Uh, For me personally, I would love to see Satan Tango? Satan Tango? I don't know how to say that. Get a good release. Is that the, is that the Bellatar movie? Perhaps. Uh, but in my heart of hearts, I dream for a critical reevaluation of Freddy Got Fingered. That's from Michelle. Well, Stuart, if you can't choose Castle Freak, what would you and choose? And are there any other titles off the table? <laughs> I think just Castle Freak, so I think I know what you're going to say. Obviously Invisible Mania. <laughs> what extras? How to make a submarine sandwich? <laughs> yeah. Well, the magic behind the Invisible Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man behind the maniac. Uh, what about you, Dan? Oh, jeez. I don't. I mean, like, I feel like this is going to go into uh, movies we've discussed before. Could um, or could not. You know, they're they're a pair. Like, I I am a big fan of uh, '80s horror films. They're and and they're a type of film that doesn't get these sort of critical love that they could even though they get a lot of nerd love but i think that a uh maybe a criterion box set of um both an american werewolf in london and return of the living dead mm. would be fun return of the living dead would be a great criterion selection and they and perhaps a uh, a documentary on the subject of uh horror comedies and perhaps uh examining why there are a lot of horror comedies that sprung up in the 1980s and were successful in a way that they have not been at all since. So that's that's an idea. I, I've got a couple that I'd throw out. Uh, obviously, my favorite movie, The Taking of Pelham 123. You don't want a commentary from director Joseph Sargent. And if there's any behind-the-scenes footage of the making of that movie, I'd, oh, I'd love to see it. Just kind of like that movie captures, I feel like, that era in New York so well. And I'd love to see more footage of them in those real locations. But hey, you know, you want to throw Criterion Gremlins 2, the new batch, at me and include both the film and 
and video versions of the interruption in the middle where the gremlins break the movie. I'd be happy with that. And they maybe might the, be on the they might be on the current DVD. I and maybe know. that fan film that was made uh, where uh, someone did a very fancy version of um, that break that uh, used TiVo like technology. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, or frankly, here's what I'd love to see. Criterion Collection version of either Nuki or Slow Bullet, the two worst movies I've ever seen. With Slow Bullet, especially if they could track down the people who worked at the Florida video <laughs> and have them explain it, themselves, and have them explain themselves, and also the members of the band that wrote the original heavy metal soundtrack to the movie. Oh, I would watch. I would watch that terrible movie all over again and find out all about how what happens when people reach for the stars but fall into hot lava. <laughs> So this is our third and uh, last letter of the evening because it is it is a very long letter. So buckle oh, in, guys. Oh boy! Is it, okay. So uh, this, this is, is if this is okay. Well, let's go. see. This is from Josh. Last name with oh, him. thank goodness. And it's titled. Reader's going to be soccer stuff. <laughs> it's titled non-sexual fanfic. Uh oh. So it starts off like this. Somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, under a very handsome sun, Stuart Wellington rides atop a pyramid of topless water skiing bikini models. Despite the endless wealth he <laughs> despite the endless wealth he possesses as the dual heir of both the Beef Wellington and Stuart, the character from Mad TV Empires, this bevy of bodacious babes actually pays him for the opportunity to be the hard-bodied mantle upon which he is raised to the stars. The solid gold speedboat that powers the group cuts sharply across very, the water. Very inefficient. And a spray of ocean splashes against Stuart's sunglasses in a manner that looks so cool that not one, not two, but all four Ninja Turtles shake their heads in wonderment. <laughs> Hidden within the audience of amazed onlookers. Wait, so the Ninja Turtles are just there? <laughs> yep. Hidden within the audience of amazed onlookers, Josh Hartnett eats a dissatisfying hot dog and grumbles something hateful. Stuart pretends not to notice. A bright red plane flies overhead in a great swooping weaving path, leaving a thick tendril of white smoke that reads, I know this is an unorthodox method of communication, but since you never keep your cell phone on you, I really have no other option, Stuart. We have an emergency back at flop quarters. Quit with the hot dog in and get moving. Anne Hathaway out. <laughs> wait, so Anne, <laughs> wait, Anne Hathaway's been yeah, there? Yeah. So you got your ex-girlfriend to do it. Not my ex-girlfriend. Elsewhere, Elliot Kalin screams cut from the greatest movie set ever assembled. <laughs> You're killing me, Nicolas Cage. How hard can it be to, to do a pitch-perfect impression of our greatest American president, Abraham Lincoln? All you have to do is be 6'4", wear a hat, and be better than every other human being who's either existed or been written into a piece of fiction. Damn straight. Sergei Eisenstein never had to deal with this kind of shit, Elliot thinks to himself as Nicolas Cage walks away dejected. Just to interject there, Sergei Eisenstein had to deal with Stalin, so he had way worse things to deal with. <laughs> but anyway, continue. I'm enjoying the story so far. Nick might have fiery hell powers, but they're useless in the face of a divided nation. Something vibrates in Elliot's pocket. Oh, Anne, why are you still in my life? <laughs> he pulls out the phone. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Elliot here. Elliot, you have to get to Elliot here. Yep. Elliot, you have to get to flop quarters now. The world needs the original peaches. Anne Hathaway says, "I'm on it." Elliot responds, "Oh, and Elliot, I love you." <laughs> Silence hangs in the air. Elliot squints and gently chews his own cheek. "I know," he says before pressing end. "That's right. He totally Han soloed that shit." 
Knowing the situation is dire, <laughs> Elliot sprints from the set and climbs onto the exoskeleton he, he constructed from old Emmys he didn't have room for in the TV awards wing in his home. As he rockets off into the atmosphere, Anne Hathaway's heart skips a single beat from hundreds of miles away. She would never stop loving that man. It's weird. <laughs> Finally, in the vague center of an empty white room... In the... <laughs> In the vague center of an empty white room sits a man staring at the brick wall of the neighboring apartment. His mind is plagued with uninteresting thoughts and song lyrics that swarm his personality like a locust in a field. The sad thing is he can almost remember what it feels like to be a complete human being full of emotions and insights. But he can't quite pin down the sensation the same way a bastard can't quite picture his father's face. It wasn't always like this, though. Legend has it that at some point in his life, this sad man was once full of joy. In fact, he was once what some people would call fun. What happened to this man? He was cursed by the most boring wizard of all time. <laughs> you would think that that kind of claim is subjective, but no. In this instance, it is objectively true to say it was the most boring wizard of all time. By any metric you choose, no wizard was more boring. And now Dan McCoy must carry that curse. Oh, poor Dan. A generic ring echoes through the empty right room. Dan answers the phone. Dan, there's trouble in the city. We need you at flop quarters now. Dan sighs, puts on his Velcro shoes, and hails a taxi. A boring man. <laughs> can't even tie his shoes. I have very nice shoes. Our three heroes arrive, Elliot in his armor of ultimate TV achievement, Stuart with two beers and a hoagie in each hand, and Dan with a sigh. All right, team, says Anne Hathaway. There have been a number of robberies all across the city. So far, seven animal shelters have been hit without any suspects. Do you three have any idea who's behind us? Stuart and Elliot look at each other with dashing and most handsome concern. Dan sighs. Seven pounds, they say in unison. To be continued, will they catch seven pounds? Will Anne Hathaway finally get the respect she deserves for being awesome as Selena Kyle? Will our three heroes share an unexpectedly gay experience and learn something they never wanted to know about themselves? We already heard that story. Will ham overtake turkey as the traditional Thanksgiving centerpiece? Find that out and more next week in Alpha Flop Team Men, The Peaches Protocol Number 2. So that was a very long message. Excellent Uh, work. Who wrote that? That was from uh, Josh, last name with Hell. Josh, last name with Nice Hell. work, Josh. That's the best Flophouse fan fiction ever. And not only because it was the only... I not just because it's, it's the only it's one just, without us having sex with each other. <laughs> just barely first place for me. I don't know. I... <laughs> I, I I have some objections to it. A few. Everyone was perfectly captured? I feel like there were maybe some things that were wrong with that. I mean, sometimes looking into a mirror can be difficult, Dan. <laughs> I coped through my section. <laughs> yeah, we, all, we both swallowed our grit and just, you know, yeah. bore when with you, it. When you turn the lights all the way up, sometimes you don't like just, to see I, mean, you know. I kind of feel like you were portrayed as super awesome, and maybe I was not cast in the I mean, same I, light. I, I had my shortcomings, you know. Yeah, you know, he was a little too awesome in a way. Yeah, yeah. It was a, there was a pyramid of babes instead of a reverse pyramid. That's way more complicated. <laughs> and obviously, I had a lot of career pressure that I was under. Uh huh. Yeah, that's true. You, you just, just got to relax in a room, sitting back, kicking back. <laughs> yeah, relaxing, maxing, and relaxing, shooting some b-ball outside of the school. Mm-hmm. Couple of guys, up to no good. Your CD you're saying, probably you're saying I'm the Fresh on. Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> you are the opposite of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You are Carlton Banks. <laughs> but I will smell that candy later. <laughs> yes. Uh, so nice work. I hope. I hope Josh does continue. Decide to continue that. Uh, yeah, although <laughs> we may have to, go. we may have to continue it if it does continue on the website rather than uh, reading out further. Yeah, because you're, you're probably parched. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let that whistle, buddy. Uh, Listen to your whistle. Have some of that potato water. So, so next up is the do? section of the show where to prove that we are not just cynical jerks, we recommend movies we actually liked. Something that touched us, moved us, made us laugh, made us cry, made us think, made us stink. <laughs> a movie that, for you lack of be a better word, no. for lack of a better word, we enjoyed. Yeah. Stuart. Uh, well, I'm going to reach into my, uh, my, my Stuart Wellington vault of movies that I've seen. Uh, that's what... <laughs> three, four movies? Yep, three or four <laughs> movies. This one is uh, The Name of the Rose, starring oh. Sean Connery, oh, no. uh, F. Murray Abraham, uh, Christian, Christian Slater's Slater penis, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> uh, it's weird that Christian Slater's penis got higher mm-hmm. billing than Christian Slater. Uh, Ron, Known cash grabber, Christian Slater. Ron, uh, Ron Perlman's great in it. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's a whole bunch of great character actors. And There's a, a fat uh, monk who hits himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of great stuff. Uh, kind of beat me to that part, but that's okay. It's a great um, story. It, it's uh, it was later novelized. Uh, by <laughs> no, 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 incorrect. No, nope, and no, nope. incorrect. Your chronology a, is quite inaccurate. It's a sexy murder mystery. It is among medieval monks. Yeah, among medieval monks. Uh, that's that's a that would be a movie that it hasn't been criterionized. Uh, I'd like to see that as a Criterion uh, collection edition. Mm-hmm. If anything, just stuff about the props and the casting process of finding all the weirdo looking uh, guys. <laughs> uh, I looked around there for a second as if they were hearing me talk about them being <laughs> weirdo looking. <laughs> I don't think they're in here. You are offended. I'd like to recommend a movie called uh, Our Man in Havana. Which is a uh, movie directed by Carol Reed and written by Graham Greene, one of many uh, collaborations uh, by those two. The most famous of which, of course, is The Third Man, mm-hmm. also the best of them. But they also made The Fallen Idol. Yeah, right. I think there's one more too. I can't remember what the name of it was, but uh, but Oliver. Our, our man, <laughs> yes, Oliver. <laughs> Graham Greene's Oliver. Uh, Alfie. But <laughs> neither of them made that. Our Man in Havana hasn't gotten the same attention the Third Man has gotten, and you know it's 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 a lesser film, but it certainly deserves more attention than it. I feel like it has gotten. It has a wonderful cast. It's got Alec Guinness, Noel Coward, uh, Ernie Kovacs, Burl Ives, uh, Ralph Richardson. It, it's not as amazing as you would imagine from that cast. But I feel like no movie could be as amazing as you imagine from that cast. It's yeah. still pretty great. And it's about a... Uh, uh, Al Guinness is a uh, vacuum cleaner salesman in Havana who is uh, drafted, basically, into the British Secret Service by Noel Coward, basically for no reason at all. <laughs> and uh, because Al Guinness has a young daughter who uh, is, you know, like loves horses loves other things like he he needs the extra money that this job brings so he starts just making up intelligence which of course leads to escalating problems both uh from the side of the british secret service and from the side of uh uh dire forces in havana and it's kind of like if the third man was an ealing comedy it has that same sort of like droll humor but as it uh, progresses there's also some actual emotional stakes to it, too. So that's what I recommend. Our Man in Havana, 1960. I'm going to recommend two films, because that seems to be my standard these days. Uh, first, I'm going to recommend a movie that's in the theaters now, and I think <gasps> you should go see it. Fast and Furious 6. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I loved the way you sang the title. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie called Mud, starring Matthew McConaughey uh, and a bunch of other big names uh, and a couple of really talented child actors. Uh, it is about two kids who live in the South who, while investigating a an uh, kind of abandoned island near their riverfront homes, find a man living there, Matthew McConaughey, who calls himself Mud, and who is this kind of charismatic but obviously very down-on-his-luck-to-the-point-of-near-homelessness fellow who seems to have, be on this mission, and the kids decide they're going to help him out with it, and they get drawn into what's basically an emotional-slash-crime story. But uh, there's a lot. It's but it's really well made. It's got a real sense of place and a real sense of character. And the lead kid is particularly really good. Uh, and there's a lot of it. Almost it's not as harsh or as bleak as Winter's Bone, but it's almost like if you mixed Winter's Bone with like Tom Sawyer, you'd get something like Mud. And I really liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, the other movie I want to recommend also starts with the letter M, but it's not in theaters <laughs> now, and it's called The Mercenary. And it's a spaghetti western from the late 60s. It's a, it reunites the, the uh, Django team of director Sergio Carbucci and star Franco Nero. And takes place during the Mexican Revolution of the early 20th century. And is about a... Franco Nero plays a Polish immigrant who... He speaks perfect English in the dubbed you know version of the mercenary that I've seen. But... Uh, he, who is great at fighting, he knows how to use guns, he knows how to use bombs, and these rebels basically hire him to do all the strategizing and things for them and help them lead their rebel band, and he insists on being paid all the time, he raises his rates depending on how hard the fighting gets, uh, and gets mixed up with these characters, and there's betrayals and backstabbings and tight escapes and gun battles, and it's really funny in a way that a lot of spaghetti westerns aren't or try to be but don't quite get to, and it's really nice as kind of like a comedy pairing with Django, since Django is such a bleak movie in a lot of ways. So uh, that's The Mercenary, which I recommend. So movies that begin with M. Mm-hmm. All of them are good. All of them. Mud, The Mercenary, M, Mulholland Drive, Monsters My Dinner with Andre, Mob, Mobs, yeah. Uh, Married to the Mob, Monster, Monster in Law, Monsters Inc., The Unreleased Monsters You, My Cousin Vinny, My Cousin Vinny, My Cousin Vinny, My Cousin Lanny, and My Cousin Ronnie. Oh, my life is a dog. Well, we did. We we did a Harold, guys. We did. Yeah, somebody run across the stage and say, "Good night." That's our first half. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that means that for the Flop House, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. You said it like you're depressed that you're Stuart Wellington. I'm, I'm giving up. No, come on. You've got that pyramid, <laughs> you got that pyramid of babes. Right. So into it. I'm back again. Great. And the best motivator in the world, Elliot Kalin, on, on the drums. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Bye. Is that Quato? With his friend, Mondo Garusian. <laughs> And of course, soda. <laughs> Which is a weird Al joke. It's not even not even my made up joke. There's of course aluminum can skin backer and yep. Jabba the Black. Uncle Lars Ulrich. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. There's Flava the Butt. <laughs> and of course, uh, let's not forget Fart Hater <laughs> <laughs> and Princess Ralea. 
Okay, now do uh, do Lando Calrissian. I did already. He's Mondo Garusi. <laughs> okay, now do uh, do Dengar. Deng- Dengar. Oh yeah, that's a guy. Do do Doctor Amazon. Man. And Bonda Baba. <laughs>